Hello and welcome to Scouting the Culture, a weekly podcast series about the Carolina Panthers and their approach to the 2021 NFL Draft. We are a proud part of the Ride Network, and please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe if you enjoy what we have to say. I'm your host, JJ Hardy, and you can find me at Panthers Culture on Twitter. And joining me as he will be every week is Vincent Richardson, Managing Editor at the Ride Report. What's up, Vincent? Hello, how are you? Good, man, good. You know, it's been a crazy week. Yeah. Crazy week of NFL news, as it is always, but even crazier when you look at what's going on with the Carolina Panthers this week. We had four releases, mm-hmm. four releases, starting with KK. Yeah, that was a, a shock. We didn't. We talked about this off air last week, which is interesting about what to do with KK short. And you had some interesting theories about how we could potentially keep KK because of his value in the locker room. Yeah, I, yeah. So I, I think it's one of those things where um, the odds of KK staying on the deal he was on was pretty much zero. Like you know, yeah. I, I thought there might have been more of a, a, a an attempt to to restructure his deal, but I think from you know he was he was it, you can't justify given his injury history and, and his age. I don't think you could justify just paying him the money he was on. Um, I, I think what is interesting to note is I know uh, Panthers Bill said this on Twitter, but um, there there is at least some interest inside the building of uh, of bringing him back on like a Charles Johnson sort of situation if he doesn't sort of sign somewhere else early in free agency. And I, I think that's really kind of effectively not the same thing as restructuring, but effectively a, a very similar thing, admittedly with some risk that he goes elsewhere. Because I, I I don't think them releasing him is them not wanting him anymore. It's them not being able to justify paying him the money he was going to get paid. So whereas with the other guys who got released, at least for a couple of them, I think it was they're not going to make the 53, so might as well release them now kind of thing. Um, whereas I think if there is a chance KK comes back and does make the 53, I think he would be a useful player for them to still have. I think that for him, it was just purely about money and and about risk versus reward in terms of his injury history. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and I agree with that. You know, it, I actually like your idea last week, you know, was to potentially restructure KK and keep him around as a as a mentor in the locker room and, and, and make him more of a rotational piece going forward. Maybe somebody you use on passing downs mm-hmm. and things of that nature. And so I was I was open to that idea, but I wasn't shocked when they no. cut him because I was thinking, you know, like you said, with the cap hit that he was going to bring in 2021 it didn't seem like it was financially responsible to to keep him around no it's not but shocking he's he's, a, he's been a solid guy you know for his time in carolina and, and and the first part of his career was a lot more dynamic and and productive than the last two three seasons mm-hmm. and i think the frustrating part is is he just wasn't available and i tell people all the time in football your best ability is availability yeah and the fact that he missed so many games over the last two seasons made him even more uh, expendable. And when you look at that the cap hit that he had, I mean, KK had the second highest cap hit on the yeah. team. And and I think it was the top cap hit in 2020. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the one caveat to that is always, it's not about what someone's been, in terms of when you're looking at releasing players, it's not about what they're being paid. It's about how much of what they're being paid you can get out of. 
So, or, <laughs> yes. or, yeah. So I, I, I think one of the reasons why restructuring made some sense was because although they have cut in, they've only, you know, only, but it, it's, it's like eight and a half, nine million dollars they've got out of cap space, which is which is right. quite a lot. But given that his cap hit was, I think, was north of twenty million dollars, that's not th- that much money. So, I, 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 again, yeah, you could even with eight and a half, I don't think you can justify paying eight and a half. Um, I, what I would say though is that his release does mean that they're now. They really have to get a three tech. Like he was, he yes. they really they missed him last year as a three tech. They had to play FA there a lot, and that's not really his ideal position. FA is now an RFA, I think. I think he's a restricted free agent rather than a, a, an unrestricted free agent. But like they, they need three techs. They 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 lack interior pass rush. Um, and even if you go and target that in the draft, and it is probably not a first round option, but it's definitely something you could see on day two in the draft, like a three tech. But I think. Even if they do that, you need you. It can't just be a rookie is your only interior pass rusher. Like and having someone like KK who could be that mentor and, and and could offer some kind of rotational value, whether that's as the starter or as the guy who comes on. I, I think that kind of it would make sense to bring him back if he is still sort of unsigned after the first few days of free agency. And 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 I'm watching for that because of his because of it, because of his uh, ability to rush the pass and when he's healthy. I think he does bring some value there, and I'm willing to pay somewhere around, you know, six, six to eight for yeah, somebody. I, I think yeah, I think I, I, I think they'd want to pay less than that because if you're willing to pay eight, then eventually you've cut him to save half a million dollars. I, oh yeah, I think well, they, maybe not eight there, maybe six, maybe five, yeah. maybe four to six. Four, I think I, I think I think opting three and five is yeah three five four six that kind of range is more. I think if if, if he goes and tests the market and doesn't find a huge amount of interest. I think that, that they see an opportunity to bring him back there. I think I think the other thing to note is, and this was something we'll talk about probably a bit more in a second, but because mm-hmm. of COVID, you're likely to see a depression in what players get. I mean, it's likely that I think a lot of players sign shorter deals. Um, yeah. in order, but, but ultimately, it's a sport. People get injured a lot. People want guaranteed money. And if someone offers you a five-year contract, it's quite hard to turn that down. Um, yeah. But I think you will see something of a depression in terms of player wages just because of the restriction of the cap. And I think the... The Panthers, I think, have a have a chance to to maybe take advantage of that and 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 releasing players to maybe resign them is an easy way of potentially creating cap space for 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 while staying where you are really. So, um, I think it's a, I mean, and, and that makes a lot of sense. And people need to to take that into account. You know, for those who don't track the cap situation, the twenty twenty cap was one hundred and ninety eight million dollars, and typically the cap is increased by essentially 10% every year or something there about. But because of COVID and lost revenue, the cap space was anticipated to be 175 million. But yeah. as of last week, the NFL Players Association, the NFL sent out a letter saying that the cap would be um, $180 million at a minimum. So there's yeah. still room for the cap to be even more than 180, but for right now, all planning as it is, is if it's going to be $180 million. And what Benson is saying is because of the restrictions to the cap space and losing cap space, there's going to be a little bit more leverage for teams to get lower contracts than they typically would. But on the other side of that, I think the players knowing that would probably only want to sign shorter term deals because they know that they can renegotiate better deals when the cap space is. Yeah. I I think there's kind of, there's, yeah, that, that is definitely true. I think there's sort of the, the caveats to that is is that ultimately there's only so much money to go around, and so like you know players yeah. can only push wages so far. Um, yeah. But but also that 
depending on what age you are and what position you are, it obviously makes a bit, you know, one-year deals make different amounts of sense to different players. But if you're playing a physical position where, where injuries are kind of not unheard of, do you want to sign a one-year deal and potentially cut your own value? Uh, you know, if if you sign a five-year deal with like 45% guaranteed, you know, if you go and get hurt, you've got the money. And obviously there'll be a balance. There'll be some players that take, willing to take the risk of signing a one-year deal and some won't. But I think there will there will definitely be bargains to be had in free agency this year, just be, just because of the cap decrease for the teams that do have cap space. It will be there'll be there's a great opportunity. Well, we are one of those teams. I think we are number seven in yeah. the NFL right now in terms of having cap space, and and that's even with still having twenty two million or so in dead cap. So yeah. we're doing pretty good considering all the dead weight we're still carrying. But hey, look, I'll take it, and so. So that's KK. Again, big ups to KK for yeah. all he did in Carolina. Unfortunately, no, he ended with a couple of um, injury-written seasons, but um, but we we respect everything he did. And then, you know, for the, the next three who were cut, first I'm going to start with Stephen Weatherly. Kind of yeah. saw this coming from a mile away. You know, a guy yeah. that was brought in based on raw potential, based on his early years in, in Minnesota. I was interested to see if he could translate to more production, you know, with having more opportunity. And once I saw the, you know, the season starting and he wasn't getting the starting nod over Gross Matos, I was concerned because I thought Gross Matos was somebody they were going to be able to kind of ease in. Yeah. With with Stephen Weatherly, you know, being the, the starter from day one across from Brian Burns. But when I saw that he didn't even beat Gross Matos out and, you know, from, from the preseason, and training cap, I was like, oh, that's a red flag. And then, you know, once I saw him actually playing, I saw why. You know, yeah, I he, think Weatherly is one of those guys who plays well when he's surrounded by a lot of great players on the defensive line um, because he gets one-on-ones and don't get, you know, the attention you know, that, that he, you know, like Daniel Hunter and, and Everson Griffin and Linval Joseph and the guys that he played yeah. with in, in Minnesota, you know, they were so dominant that I think he just just got the weakest guy a lot of times. And he didn't get that opportunity here in Carolina. And unfortunately for him, it didn't work out, you know, so. Um, yeah, I, th- I think there are, there are, I think there are a couple of things with Weatherly. I think one, they overpaid. Like, don't worry, I, 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 I they think. Did, they definitely overpaid. <laughs> yeah. And not just like in hindsight, like at the time that he was being, you know, what he, he got quite a lot of money. Like if you compare what he got to what Burris got, who was a similar kind of level of free agent. They they, they, they paid quite a lot of money to Weatherly. It's like two years, 18 million or something. Yeah, something um, crazy. Um, and, and it's one of those things where on tape when he signed, it was like he has one big technical flaw that if he fixes, he becomes a much better player. And, yeah. and he he didn't really fix it. I, I think some of it also is I don't think he quite clicked with the new coaching staff. I, I, you know, it... it, it it didn't, you know, there are there are guys who come in and are clearly their kind of like the, just if you hear the way the way Rule talks about Burris and stuff, there's clearly a real, even though he has some limitations as a player, there is clearly a culture type player. And like we saw it to hear Whitehead and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think Weatherly quite made that kind of impression. Um, so I think and you know it's crazy because the the Panthers social media and, and everybody they played up Weatherly because he's kind of like a a world man, you know, like yeah. he has all these different uh different attributes and things that he can do play music he's a scholar you know he he does he's so an much interesting man. He's, he's an interesting man like he's, he's one of the most interesting men in the world and 
And I remember them featuring that, you know, early in the season. I was like, hey, that's all cool, but can he sack the quarterback? You know, yeah. <laughs> that's what I want him to do. And and maybe maybe he still can, but it's not like we had a lot of guys that that dominated this year. Like nobody played particularly well outside of Brian Burns and and flashes of you know, um, Zach Kerr and and you know I mean Zach Kerr was a really good signing. Like, he was yeah. a really good signing, you know, and 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 that was the low key, you know, uh, yeah. To me, the the steal of free agency for the Panthers because he really played well considering what they paid him. And, he was really uh, solid but, with the Colts and with Denver before. Like he he's just a really solid player. Like yo. yeah, a solid solid pro does his job. He's kind of gotten lost, you know, in his career, but he showed up for Carolina last year after KK went down, and you know, yeah. but Weatherly unfortunately didn't, and so no. he's been cut, you know, and 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 I'll take his cap space gladly. Um, Pallady, you know, the the punter, he was cut as well after Charlton had the season he had last year. I could see that coming too. Yeah, see, I, th- I think that that's a reflection of the fact that Joey Charlton was really good. Um, yeah, and. Ultimately, marginal gains in punter are not what you know, even if Pilati was, you know, if, if they went into camp and Pilati won the job in camp, the amount of money he was being paid for marginal gains, it, it, you know, if, if you get again, if you get a guy who can be a good NFL punter on a rookie contract, paying a veteran to be slightly better just is you just can't really justify it very easily. So it, right. it, it's yeah, again, he, he'll go and get, you'd imagine, unless his injury is worse than, than than we've heard about, he'll go and get a job somewhere else and he'll be fine. Like, he, he is a good NFL punter. It just yeah. the Panthers lucked into Charlton and, and and that's happened sometimes. And I'm happy for I'm happy for uh, for Joe Charlton as well. You know, he's a South Carolina guy. I think he's out of Columbia. He went to USC and and he got his shot in camp. And I remember he caught a lot of flack for shaking yeah. a couple you know, yeah. early on and, and people, you know, were clowning him, but for him to bounce back, and honestly, I didn't see him really have a bad punt. Oh, yeah, I think he may have had one that was a little it, short. His his percentage, he had he did shank one, I think. Yeah, but he, his his percentage of punts inside the twenty, given how many times he punted, it was just absolutely bonkers. Like it was, you know, it was he was on. I can't remember. I, did, I remember I wrote a piece about the rookie class, but like he was in line with like prime Johnny Hecker numbers in terms of of punts inside the twenty. Um, and, and yeah, it's yeah, don't wrong. You, you need to be, you know, have a bit of caution and not get carried away. But like his game against uh, against Washington was just fantastic. Like he, he was, was so was good. He, that was one of the best punting games you'll see. And you know, a lot of people who didn't want to win that game because of draft positioning, a lot of people were blaming Teddy Bridgewater for for winning the game, or you know, the the coaching staff for winning the game. I was like. You don't be, you don't need to be mad at Teddy or anybody else for winning the game because they definitely did not do it. But you got to be mad at Joe Charlton because Joe Charlton controlled the game, yeah, you know, with field position and stuff like that. And the defense played well. And so, yeah, I mean, blame him. Don't blame anybody else because everybody but the guys in charge and the quarterback won the game for us. Um, so, yeah, so, so congrats for Joe. Sad for 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 Pilate. Um, but he will land on his feet and he'll have a job probably playing for a winner. So I'm, I'm not going to feel bad for him. And then five, five, five punts, 235 yards, 47 yards per punt, all five downed inside the 20. That's crazy. That's just, that's, that's, that's very, that's, that's, that's just, that's just a really, you know, it, you know it's, it's one game, but that was a, that was a, a an exceptionally good punting performance. See, but I'm excited. I'm excited that we have a guy like Charlton. And the crazy part about, watching the Panthers this year and people won't talk about it, but we didn't punt a heck of a lot. 
early. No. You know, we really had one of the the more efficient offenses in the league in terms of just um, not getting three, you know, not going three and out and moving the ball and getting into score position. We just couldn't mm-hmm. score. But that's a story for another day. So, so peace to to KK, peace to Pilate, peace to Weatherly. I'm gonna say the last guy. Um, yeah. You know, finesse. But you know, so we restructured Matt Paradis's contract to create some space. I thought that was great. Um, that was another yeah. move. But then the 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 last move was probably the more shocking move. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was more shocking for fans than it was for like true. Um, analysts of the game, but the Trey Boston cut. Yeah, Man. I mean, there's kind of a few sides to it. So first of all, what, like when he signed that contract last year, it was very, very clear. It was effectively a one-year deal with two yeah. team options. Like it was, it was comically front-loaded that contract. Um, comically front-loaded. <laughs> uh, it, well, it was. It was. I can't. I don't know if I can find the details, but it was. It was like half the contract got paid out in the first year. Bearing in mind, like NFL contracts generally get backloaded, um, so generally the, the the cap number escalates, which is why because it, basically because you expect the the cap to increase every year, which is something we'll we'll, uh, we'll see a little bit this year of the sort of the impacts of that. But yeah, he signed a, a obviously find the details here, but yeah, it was it was very very front loaded. Like yeah, it was it was a it was a three year eighteen million dollar contract which had uh, less than five less than five and a half million guaranteed after the first year. So like he 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 could be cut to release cap after one year of a three year eighteen million dollar deal. Like it was it was very, very clearly designed as like a, a one plus two type deal. Um and I think they I think they signed Trey because in twenty nineteen they were desperate for a safety, mm-hmm. a free safety in particular. And Marty Herney didn't draft one. And I think the top two safety names out there in 2019 were Eric Berry and and it was Eric Berry, I think it was Earl Thomas, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. And it was Trey Boston. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people wanted Trey back. And Trey from you know from all indications he wanted to be in Carolina. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he sent out a great message. Um, and parting ways on Twitter yesterday and on Instagram the day before, you know. So I think he wanted to be in Carolina. I think I think Marty Herney liked him, and I think that deal was a deal to let's tr- let's try, you know, because yeah. he had been basically uh, campaigning for a, a better contract over the last two or three years before coming back to Carolina. And I think you know he played well enough in 2019 alongside Eric Reed, and I think they were like, okay, let's give you a contract that's going to take care of you. And if you take care of us through your play, yeah, then we can keep you around for a contract that you like and that we can deal with. The reality, though, is in watching every game, every snap, I, I, it was only one game I didn't watch last year, and that was the Chicago game because I was driving. I was on the road mm-hmm. and couldn't see it. But every snap of every game I watched. And honestly, I was so disappointed and how often I didn't hear Trey Boston's name early in yeah. the season. I think I think the scheme may have been somewhat of a challenge for him adjusting to his role in that scheme versus Ron Rivera's scheme. He was very familiar with, with Rivera's defense, especially as the secondary was coached. I think adjusting to whatever Phil Snow required of him um, was, was different. He played 
near the line of scrimmage a lot more than I yeah. was accustomed to seeing him play. And he almost played like a bot safety more so than a than the you know than a deep safety that I was accustomed to seeing the trade. You know, trades to me his best strength was was in coverage, you know, more so than being yeah, a tackle. He's a big, he's a big hitter, but he's not a sure hitter. He's not a sure tackler. No, no, he's he's a, he's he's more of a deep zone type guy. Yeah, he's a deep zone type guy, and, and the fact that we didn't see him back there doing that much, um, it, it it caused me some concerns. And but he didn't look well. I think the move on from him was because at that number. Um, with the production in this defense, and you know, basically, I think I don't think he's the fit for what they would like out of that position. Yeah. Deep. I think that's why they moved on from from Trey Boston. But it was it was kind of crazy because, you know, we were we already knew that we were going to talk about the safety position yeah. this week. And when I saw that news, I was like, wow, this it, episode is going to get a lot more interesting now. It certainly changes the. The need at safety quite a lot. Like b- b- before, before he got cut. Like if, it, if you know, if, if if they'd gone into the draft with Burris, Boston, and Chin, it doesn't mean that safety isn't a need because obviously Burris's contract is this is the final year of his contract, and obviously you're not sure how Chin's going to be used, whether he's going to be moved full time to safety, whether he's going to keep playing his hybrid role, etc. So that there is there was always going to be some need at safety, um, at least in terms of like day three development type picks. But I think. Mm-hmm. It, it's now moved to a point where if they took a safety in the third round, you wouldn't be like, what, how, how, you know, it's a justifiable need that if you find a guy who comes in and becomes your long-term starter, there's a, there's a way of him walking straight into the start, starting lineup week one and, and, and paying that off immediately. So I I think it's, it's probably not what they're going to do with the eighth pick to be honest, but, but you know, it's, it's moved from being like a, a tertiary need to being more of a secondary need, if that makes sense. No. and, And I definitely agree. I love defense. I'm always like whenever we talk about the defensive players or the defensive position groups um, on this series, I I get excited, you know, when we talk about any defensive position, some more than others. But I grew up a running lot fan. I love good safety play. I love Ed Reed. I love guys that make a difference in the middle of the defense. You know, you look at Teron Matthew, you know, what he did and, you know, for Kansas City and the teams he played with before, you know, you look at the improvement on the Bucks team, the, the Super Bowl team. Yeah. You know, they, they have some good safeties. Um, yeah. Antoine Winfield, I think a second yeah. round of last year, he's changed really that defense. Good. He's, really, he's good. really good. And I want Carolina to have a guy in the middle of the defense, in the middle deep mm-hmm. of the defense that teams fear. Like, I don't want to throw towards that guy. I don't know where that guy's lining up. I want a guy like that that can really change our defensive identity. And I know people is like, oh, you know, you can't, can't, you know, be sure you're going to get one of those guys or whatever. But I'm, I'm, I'm like, why not? Find us one. Find us one guy. You can look at the history of the Carolina Panthers and our the history of the secondary. Outside of having Mike Mentor, maybe Charles Godfrey, Kirk Coleman was really good for a couple of years. Like he, Kirk, Kirk Coleman was really oh, good. Oh, Kirk for a Coleman was good. Yeah, he yeah, was really you know, good. But he was, he was, he was drawing near the the end of his career. You know, the end of his prime. You know, when he was here too. But but we had some good safeties. But I'm talking about like elite. I yeah. Want, eventually, I want an elite safety in the NFL. We, I mean, we may have one. Yeah, I, I think I, I think the, we have one. But uh, yeah, yeah. I, I posed a question last night, and I know you would have been sleep. Yes, I was. Uh, you know, but I posed the question about 
what fans would want now that Trey is gone. Would you want to get a free agent or would you want to draft a guy? And, you know, there's a couple of guys. I'm not going to get into them here because this show isn't about free agency. It's about the draft. Yeah. But there's a guy out there that I would love to have through free agency to be our free safety. I just don't know with all the other needs we have if we can prioritize him or not. And that's Harris out of Minnesota. You know, he's a free agent this year. He's due. And I love his game in terms of just being a natural free free safety. But if we can't sign a guy like that, or, you know, a guy that people aren't talking about, and this is all, only contingent upon if he has the um, the ability to change positions and the willingness to change positions. I like Patrick Peterson. Yeah. I, I, if, if he would play, if he would play free safety, but I'm not going to get too deep into that. Cause that's a whole rabbit hole that I don't want to talk about. I want to talk about what we came to talk about today. And that's the actual um, safety position group that yeah. now, as you said, this episode becomes a lot more interesting because of Trey Boston's cut. Um, yeah. But before we get to that, before we get to that, there's so much to talk about in the NFL this week. I'm just going to mention this little tidbit has nothing to do with the Panthers directly, mm-hmm. but it did give me some some solace, you know, mm-hmm. in the in the actual news. And, the, and that news was Carson Wentz being traded to the Colts. Yeah. And the best news that came out of that for me was a tweet, I think, by Adam Kaplan. I don't know if I have that gentleman's name right, but saying the Panthers were not interested in Carson Wentz. And to me, that just made my heart melt. I was like, oh, they're not goofy after all. Like, we just don't want to go get any guy at quarterback and and, and spend resources on that guy. And, you know, and so it let me know that Scott Fitterer, Matt Rule, they definitely have a type of guy in mind. And that guy has to be really talented to include Matt Stafford. I get why they wanted to go after Matt Stafford in ways because of his arm talent. I wasn't super high on him, but yeah. I would have been—I would have been more excited about Matt Stafford than Carson Wentz. Yeah, no, that's fair. I think the thing with Stafford is the age. Like that—that's the bit that doesn't yeah. make that doesn't make total sense. In the, that was um, the only thing. If it had been five years ago, I'd have been super yeah. high on Matt Stafford. You know, but at this age, at thirty. Two, I think he is, and it's it's um, not it's not like the Panthers are like one step away from competing. So like yeah. it's like okay, it, it's a bit like why well, they didn't, at least in my view, didn't look to resign Bradbury was at least in part the he's quite old for a guy hitting his first contract, and it's like there's no point signing guys like just at the end of their prime now because by the time yeah. this team is competing in two years' time, they're going to be out of their prime, and it, yeah. it doesn't make any sense anymore. And so then like, you have to be changing off from them anyway. Yeah, so. yeah, precisely. So you, you want to be signing guys who are who are still going to be at, at least around their peak in in two years' time. So um, the the, pri- the primary guy that kind of signed a free agency from what you just described, so they won't be already in the middle of their prime, are those guys who may have played three years in college. You know, so they they come into the NFL at like twenty two. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they're not first-rounders, so they don't have five-year contracts. They have four-year contracts. So mm-hmm. they're like day two, day three guys mm-hmm. who, at the end of their first contract, they're somewhere around 26 years old. Yeah. And you can give them a three-year, four-year deal or whatever, and you can have them for the duration of their prime. Yeah, yeah. No, that, 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 that should be the focus. Like, like 
this, this, I mean, it depends. Obviously, if they go out and sell the farm for Watson, that changes because then you're in a, they not necessarily win now mode, but like, yeah. you, you can't, you know, if you've traded away your next three first round picks, you can't expect to suddenly get magically better through the draft. Like, you have to go and find players in free agency to, to fill yeah. your team out. Um, so that, that kind of changes things, but assuming they don't do on the assumption they don't do that, like it, it's finding guys who can. Like this is why Curtis Samuel maybe makes some sense because he will still be in three years' time, he will still be in his prime, he will not be kind of a waning force. And also, it's about which positions you then go and spend on as well. Like if James Bradbury played tight end or he played quarterback, it would be different, but as like a 27, 28, 29 year old corner, it's then like the athletic elements start you know corners don't age very well generally like it's not a position that's known for aging gracefully um like you just have to look like yeah. Darrell, you know the, the contract that the, that the jets gave rebus the second time round, where it was like the first year it was like maybe he could be worth it and by year two or three his player just fallen off a cliff and they were stuck with this with this huge albatross of a contract uh, and, and, and that was hard to watch i mean but but think about it just the, the, another guy that we mentioned earlier if you're looking at patrick peterson yeah I yeah. mean, he was worth his he was worth his deal when he got it in Arizona, but I think maybe two years or three years after he signed that new contract, I think he had everybody wondering, like, hey, you know, like, is, does this guy still have it? You know, so how, how old is he now? Is he like? 31? I think Patrick Peterson's like 31, 30, yeah. 31. I mean, that's 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 old for a corner. It's it's like you know, running backs and cornerbacks generally once they get into their thirties, it's hard to to trust that that two or three years from now they're going to be good. Um, there are obviously I- I- exceptions to that, but but it's not that they can't be good. It's that you can't give them a five-year deal, trusting that in four years' time they're going to be good. Um, and and yeah, no, I, I yeah, I, I think the age profile is going to be particularly important when we get to free. Agency. I mean, we've gone on a tangent again, but like I think the age profile is going to be particularly important when it comes to free agency, um, yeah. and it, and quite telling as well. Like if they go after a lot of older free agents, that suggests that they really are focused on winning now, which would be a an interesting approach after a five and 11 season. No, I, I agree with you. But again, I just wanted to bring up the Wentz trade just because I found out during that trade that we weren't interested. And yeah. it just made me so happy to. Oh, know no, that I agree. I agree. Interested. Yeah. In addition to all these other moves and cuts and everything that we've discussed, I just said to myself, I was like, wow, this front office is definitely approaching things differently. Um, and, you know, with, Federer saying that we'll be in on every deal, them not being in on that deal, yeah. told me that they have some discernment. And I'm excited, man. And so again, mm-hmm. the last the last cut that we talked about, or the release that we talked about was Trey Boston. Yeah. And it was surprising, you know, in some ways, but in, but in other ways it wasn't. But again, it it made this show a little bit more important yeah. because of the position that he played. And, and Trey Boston for those who don't track the nuance of, of football. Trey Boston is a free safety. Yeah. A lot of people, it, we, we, I mean, yeah, that, a lot of people, I mean, the, by, 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 by role and definition, he plays the, the, kind of the, sort of both. The Panthers but, kind of abandoned the idea of free and strong safety last year. I think that's, that, that's one of the interesting things for the Panthers is like un, under Rivera, you knew there was a box guy and there was a deep guy and you always knew which one it was. And, and it was, you know, Roman Harper is not going to start playing deep coverage. Eric Reed is not going to start playing deep coverage. They're around the box and you have a free guy who goes deep. Whereas because the Panthers effectively play with three safeties, or at least did last year, you have like one guy in Burris who's somewhere between like a nickel corner and a safety. 
You've yeah. got one guy in Chin who's kind of somewhere between a linebacker and a strong safety. And then you've got a guy like Boston who is somewhere between like a free and a strong safety. And so what, what's going to be really interesting to see is how they kind of realign that now. Like, do, yeah. do they go to a two safety formation and now it's just like Chin and Burris? Or, yeah. or, or do they bring in another guy? And if they bring in another guy, does Chin move to more of the Boston role and they bring in more of like a Jeremy Chin? So that would probably be more of a linebacker type. So like... Um, uh, Wusu Karamoa, the uh, the Notre Dame guy, would be like if you're talking of like a chin replacement in that sense, maybe maybe that would make sense. And and you mm-hmm. almost switch around, or do you keep chin where he is and you sign more of like a deep third safety, or do you bring in more of like that nickel corner safety? So like because the Panthers have these kind of moving pieces at safety, they they have a reasonable amount of flexibility about the kind of guy they go for. Um, but you have to have some clarity about how you're going to use that guy. Like and we'll talk about this when we talk about some of the prospects, but. But there are some some players can kind of play all three roles, but you could also have a guy where you're like, this is very clearly, this is their role. They are this deep field safety or they are this nickel safety. And so how how the Panthers actually use the players they already have is going to be interesting to see, even before you talk about adding new pieces. Yeah, and and, and you're exactly right. Right now, we still don't know what the deal is on, on Justin Burris. Justin Burris was a guy that they brought in um, and they held him based on his versatility. Mm-hmm. And ideally, they, they, they like him as the, I guess, quote unquote, strong safety. But as you said, it was, it was hard to distinguish who was the strong versus who was the free or the box versus the deep or whatever. And But Burris was a guy who could be more of a hybrid. He could play some nickel. He could cover, yeah. he could cover wide receivers, um, easily cover tight ends. The one thing that I thought... Burris didn't do well early, but he came around on late was was stepping up and making tackles in the box. That was the biggest adjustment for him. Yeah. Is is being a really short tackler around the line of scrimmage. And but he showed later in the season that he could do that. He was a willing tackler. But I think, you know, I, I remember him doing a press conference saying that he wanted to challenge himself mm-hmm. to be more of a of a box type guy, one of the top box type guys. But you know, the my question before we get into the prospects. Yeah is I know that there's a desire to get Jeremy Chen yeah. back to safety because they yeah. feel like his his career would be um, elongated by putting him in his more natural role and mm-hmm. not near the muck of the line of scrimmage. And I actually want to see him back at safety. But with all the talents that Jeremy, Han- Jeremy Chen has, and, and I really didn't see a lot of flaws in this game besides this one thing. He seemed to struggle deep in coverage. And he has all the speed. He has all the the twitchiness and everything that you would love to see from an elite athlete. But I was worried when I saw him against bigger, really good tight ends. I I think he's... I don't. I, I, so I think there's kind of two facets to that. I think there's how they use him as like a deep zone safety, and how they use him sort of more in like man coverage type stuff. Yeah. I yeah. think in deep zone, I think he just needs reps. Like I, you know, it, it's 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 just different from what he's seen in, in college, um, and, and it just it takes time to recognize patterns and all that kind of stuff. Like you know, I think obviously there 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 are two main things I think Jeremy Chin has to work at, work on this offseason. The first is his footwork at the head of routes. Like if he's going to play man coverage against tight ends, there are a couple of times where his feet got a bit stationary at the head of routes and stuff. And, and that's just like some things you can work on technically. I think the other thing is just, just watching lots of tape and, and just, you know, having come from a small school where you just didn't see the range of things you're seeing in the NFL, just, 
you know, just get your eyes on more tape, see more route combinations, see, you know, get, get, get used to, to, to recognizing what's happening on around you. And he's, he's clearly a really smart guy. I, th- I you know, I, I, like I remember watching Chin as a prospect and you're like, okay, there's lots of talent on tape. And then when you hear, hear him speak, you're like, okay, I have more confidence that this guy can make, take that step than someone who maybe doesn't have that kind of clarity if that makes sense like, like yeah no his, his his aptitude for football is really high, really high. yeah and if he could, and if, if he could, if, if, if he could take an off season and go and watch a lot of tape and and really really take the mental side of his gaming coverage to the next level uh, th- that's when he elevates himself from like a really talented guy to a, a legitimate sort of elite player and and then honestly that's what i want to see you know what you said is key the one thing that you said that he really needs is like that play recognition mm-hmm. And especially if they put him deep, you know, next year, I won't say like as the deep guy, but as you said, in this defense, it's kind of interchangeable. Mm-hmm. And so in some plays where, you know, he probably would be near the line of scrimmage, even from the safety position. Yeah. And they have another guy deep or, you know, in other plays, he would be the deep guy and they have the other guy up near the line of scrimmage, you know, because it seems that's what we saw a lot between Burris and, and Trey Boston this past year. And so, and talking about the, the prospects, that versatility is something that I think is going to carry a lot of weight for me in terms of yeah. who I would like to see for the Panthers. But without further ado, let's get into who the the top safety prospects are in, in, the, in the draft. Uh, one quick point that we have mentioned so far okay. is also is also the young guys they have behind those starters. So that's Franklin, okay. Robinson, and Hartsfield. So just, just just to mention why we haven't talked about those guys necessarily a ton. Um, I, I think Hartsfield, I think, is probably going to play nickel. Like that's where he played at the end of the season. Like you know, he basically replaced Cornelder as the nickel for the last month. So I think he is if he he might well start next year, but it will be at, probably be at nickel rather than at safety. Um, I think Sam Franklin is probably a backup to Chin in that kind of hybrid role. I think. There is maybe a small chance that if they move Chin to safety, that Franklin could start as that more like box safety. But I think he he looked fine last year rather than good. Kenny Robinson is kind of the bit of the dark horse. Like he has some things he really has to work on. And maybe like of the people who who maybe could be viewed as that long-term starter, he's probably of the three, the one who is most likely to be to be a long-term starter. But I think the Panthers would probably not, given that he didn't even make the roster to start the season, I think <laughs> they while they would like for him to step up, potentially, I'm not sure you could sort of go into the training camp as like he's penciled in as the starter kind of thing. So I, I think those guys give them some depth. I think they probably carry, it depends where Chim plays, obviously whether he plays that sort of like more safety or more linebacker, but I could see them carrying six. If you include Chin and Franklin as those hybrid guys, I could see them carrying six safeties effectively um, on the roster. And, so, and that, and No, and that's, that's, that's really good to note a guy I was really high on was Kenny Robinson last year. Mm-hmm. I was really hoping that he would show well enough to challenge Trey for the starting role. Because he, he was a shocking tackler in college is the only thing. Like, like he's got some stuff on his game to work. Like he needs to get better as tackler at tackling. Like he, he, yeah. he was, he was one of the worst tackling players I've seen in college football. <laughs> like even both his West Virginia tape and the XFL tape, like he, he could not tackle. Um, and, and, and I know Matt Rule wouldn't like that, but no. I, I mean, but I couldn't figure it out. I was wondering, like, how did they cut him? Like, I, I really thought he had like the most upside of any of those young DBs that they picked up. I mean, besides Chen, obviously, I just thought that Kenny Robinson would yeah. see the field at some point 
and to see that he got cut out was really deflated and then they brought him back and I was like oh okay yeah, no, that, that, yeah. I, I think yeah. his issue is it's, it's hard to put a guy out on special teams who can't tackle um and so if yeah. he's not starting <laughs> it's it's Whereas someone like like Sam Sam Franklin can just go and be a solid special teams player for the next ten years of his career and could probably never have to see the field on defense. Like, you know, he yeah. could be he could be your um, oh god, I've forgotten his name already. Played for years for the Panthers. Traded from the 49ers for a seventh round pick. Um, um oh, TCU. Uh, oh, you're talking about Colin, Colin Jones. Colin Jones. That's it. Sorry, my yeah. mind completely blanked. Yeah, Colin like Jones. like Sam Franklin could be Colin Jones and just be like really good on special teams for like, the next decade and like. Yeah. You can you can make a 53 like that. Whereas Kenny Robinson is going to make his money on defense or he's not going to make his money properly. Um is is sort of the reality of it, at least from what he's shown on tape so far, that he's never going to be that kind of like he's he's just not a particularly good tackler. That's the strength of his game is the ability to 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 read patterns on the back end and, and to and to make plays as his own defender on the backside. Like that, that's where he's going to make his money. Um yeah. so yeah. Um, well, yeah I mean, we, I, I definitely, I definitely want somebody who can not only be a center fielder, but you know, but can also hit. And if he can't tackle, I'm telling you, the worst thing for me, and for anybody listening to this to this podcast, the the thing I like to test the most in football is a missed tackle. Like I, I hate it. I hate yeah. seeing poor tackling. I hate seeing bad technique and you know breaking down and wrapping up. Like I'm a very traditional defensive minded guy. And to see any linebacker safety not break down and, and make a play um, on a, on a ball carrier, it disgusts me. So, uh, so Kenny, right? I'm telling you, like, I mean, if, if I'm if you were ever to watch a game with me, and I see that, like, it's so disgusting. And, and so, like, there were too many times where I saw Trey Boston do that. You know, to be honest, you know, this past yeah. season. There was times last year where I'm a big Eric Reed fan. And even like it seemed like after he started getting fined, you know, for some of his hits and stuff, like he was like just putting shoulders on people and missing tackles. And I was like, yeah. oh my God, like what are you doing? So I want guys who can tackle. Jeremy Chen excites me. He's, because he's a technically excellent tackler. He's yeah. technically just excellent. So people get excited when it's like the flash plays with you know for him, like the force fumbles or the, you know, the the touchdown returns and stuff like that. For me, it has nothing to do with that. It's when he sees the ball and the ball carrier, he goes into pursuit mode and he breaks down and he wraps up and he gets the guy on the ground and he does it almost flawlessly every time. And I want 10 other guys on the defense who yeah. approaches the ball carrier like yeah. Jeremy Chan. I and think that's, that's, to me. I think, I think that was sort of the one, yeah, the, the, the thing with Robinson is that it isn't so like some defensive backs just clearly make business decisions like um greedy williams the former lsu corner like (laughs) when you're watching him at lsu it's like he just just isn't you know he's he's making business decisions he's just not even trying to tackle whereas i think that's that's what we say yeah that's what we say like he's really not about that life you know he's not about that tackling life yeah kenny robinson (laughs) it wasn't that he didn't try to tackle he was just technically very bad at it um uh, and, and I think on the plus side, like he is, he is really, really young. Like he was the youngest player on the roster last year. Um, yeah. So like, if, if he was like a twenty-five-year-old rookie, like you know, Marquise Haynes came out really old. Like if, if that yeah. guy's, te- you know, expecting that guy to make significant technical steps is very different from expecting a guy who was like a twenty-year-old rookie to 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 make technical steps. So so 
Kenny Robinson has has a significant room for growth, but he is very young and has the ability to do it. So I, he's certainly not a player I'd give up on, but also not a player I'd go like, right, starting job's yours now. You are the new yeah. free safety for the Carolina Panthers. Good luck. No, I mean, and, and but, you know, in, in talking about all these guys, Kenny Robinson, Miles Hartfield, I know they love him for his versatility. I, I you know what you said is true. You know, they did have the man playing nickel a lot. Um, he was listed as a backup free safety, I believe. Yeah. And so, and the, that interchangeability is something that they value. Sam Franklin, a guy that can play in sub packages as a linebacker, he can play mm-hmm. strong safety, came in and filled in admirably behind Justin Burris. Like, we really have a lot of good safety. Yeah. So, even though we're talking about these guys, I'm good that you took that pause before we got into the prospects. Yeah. And reminded me and everybody listening that we have a lot of versatile guys and they all are young and they yeah. all have room to improve. You know, from Kenny Robinson to Hartsfield to to Sam Franklin um, to to Jeremy Chen, and yeah. as good as he showed that he is, if he goes back to the safety position, then he'll have to improve things too. But yeah. they all are young enough, all under twenty five, all with high ceilings, and um, and you know, so we we can have a really talented group. But that said, yeah, there's always room to get yes. better, and so we're gonna talk about some candidates. Um, that we think are really good safeties. Yeah. We're going to tier them like we do every week, you know, and the guys who are the best of the best, um, some 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 that might be overhyped, and those who we feel, based on what we actually need, would fit this Panthers team in terms of, you know, what could we realistically expect based on draft position and, 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 and fit. And so, yeah. um, so, so tell me about, you know, your, your top prospects, Vincent. Yeah, so for me, there's kind of two prospects who really separate themselves. Um, and that's Trayvon Murray and uh, Andre Sisco. Um, I think Murray is definitely the most well-rounded prospect in this draft. Um, I, I don't think he has like the, the very, very top tier upside of some of the other guys, but it, he, he's really versatile. He's a very good technical tackler. He shows a pretty good potential in man coverage. Um, he's good in zone, has good ball skills, reads the game well. Just a, a very, very well-rounded player. Like, and and, and I, I think would be a good fit with the Panthers. I think the only reason why he he maybe is less of a realistic option is that he's probably going to go in the back half of the first round. Um, and obviously, that either means the Panthers have to trade back or trade up to get him. Um, I don't think he would be a sensible option at eight. I, I, you know, uh, he's you know he's not that kind of game changing L safety, uh, L Thomas type safety. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's hard that you know he, he, you couldn't you couldn't really talk yourself into taking him in the top ten, but is a, a very very well rounded player um, and probably isn't going to fall to the second round. Um, Cisco is more of like the slightly more boom bust. I think there's 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 more of a bust potential in his game, but yeah. I think in terms of what he can become, I think Cisco has the highest seeding of any safety in this class. Like the the good bits of his game are just fantastic. He's an he's an a really subtly excellent athlete, not just with his speed and his quickness, but his movement skills are possibly although they need refinement and he needs technical work in man coverage like his actual ability to move with players and mirror and change direction and his agility is, is probably the best in the class. Um, yeah. And he, he reads the game well, and he's got great ball skills. Like he, he, he is one of those guys you look at and go, I, I can't, you know, 
one of the most the thing that really separates safety value is if you can play that center field role in a cover three and you can cover sideline to sideline and make plays on the ball in the back end if you can do that you just elevate yourself in value so much and the end Whereas I think Murray could maybe do that. He might struggle a little bit for just like pure, like he would, they will, you would, you could fit it on the sides of the field against him a little bit. Whereas I think, I think Cisco has, has more range in deep zone and he's probably got a bit better ball skills and, 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 and has better move, movement skills if he's going to play some, some man as well. So I, I think he might just be there when the Panthers pick in the second. And I think while taking a safety in the second certainly wouldn't be the Panthers most pressing need. I think like he, if he is there in the second, I think he should be part of the conversation because he is, you know, he could be another sort of foundational piece piece of what you do defensively. Like, you know, if, if whether he's in a partnership with Chin or as part of a trio, his ability to be that center field guy is is really really valuable. So, so those are sort of the two guys who really separate themselves for me. Um, and and well, let, I me, think- let, let me let me talk about those guys. And Merrick was a guy that, you know, I did a little research on before this episode because I I didn't watch TCU play a lot. Mm-hmm. I know that they are a factory for athletes and, you know, they have a lot of speed, but, you know, he did impress me. He, he, he did all those things that you mentioned. I would love to see him in the defensive backfield for the Carolina Panthers if they were to make a move or, he, you know, he would have slipped, I, was, I should say, because as you said, every mock and, you know, every uh, prediction has him going late first round. Yeah, so he's, late, he's probably going to go in the 20s would be my guess. Yeah, so I'm thinking he goes in the 20s to somebody who needs the safety. Yeah. Um, but Cisco, man, yeah. that's been my guy. That's been my guy. I, I, I've watched him play. Yeah. And there are a few people that I'm just watching the game and I'm, I'm not watching for a particular guy. And then somebody just pops off the screen and you're yeah. like, okay, he's special. I remember watching a Syracuse game and I was watching for – the cornerback, Melifonwu. Yeah. And it was Cisco. Yeah, that's was, Cisco is really good. Yeah, he was making the plays, man. And I was like, I want him. I think I even tweeted it. I think I have to go back and look for it. I think I tweeted about it when I saw him. And I was like, oh, I want that. Like, I want him. I want yeah. that player on my team. And there are two players in college football that I've seen that play safety in the last two years that that made me feel that way. It was Cisco from Syracuse and it was Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame, who's not eligible this year. Okay, I haven't watched him yet. So Kyle Hamilton is somebody to watch for in the 2022 draft. But Cisco from Syracuse was my number one guy. And he's the only guy that I've been processing this whole season thinking like, I hope that we get so lucky to get him. Somebody that you're going to talk about, I think, later on, you know, with somebody that I started paying attention to and Richie Grant, you know, but, yeah. you know, kind of, kind of popped up, but he wasn't like Cisco for me. So, so no, man, I'm, 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 I think the best way I could say it is that Murray has Antoine Winfield's floor and Cisco has Antoine Winfield's ceiling. Like, uh, like Anton Winfield was a, a very, very good safety project for me as yeah. well. But, but like I think if, if we're trying to compare it to say Winfield, like Murrig is probably more similar. I think Cisco possibly has a slightly higher ceiling than even Winfield did. Um, yeah. But, 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 but m- m- they're they're that kind of that that's kind of how they match with say someone like like Winfield, where like it's just it's very hard to imagine Murrig busting. Like I, it's, there's just very few flaws to his game. Um, yeah. Whereas Cisco, they're are some more flaws and there's also there's always a question with those guys who play center field whether they've quite got that range 
Um, yeah. um, well, the, thing, the, the things I've seen, I saw Cisco and he looked great. You know, yeah, no, he, he, when, I, when I read for his cons, if you will, it was that because he's always seeking to make the big play, he can sometimes get fooled or get, yeah. you know, his, his eyes get lost. He, he's, he seems to struggle. He's he's much more effective when he's deep and he can have the field in front of him than when yes. he's maybe in an intermediate zone and there's players around him. He He's yes. one of those players who is so much better working back down to the ball than he is. That, I mean, that's probably the biggest concern with for me is the if you're going to play him in that sort of hybrid role where he's playing underneath, can he, how good can he be in underneath zone or his intermediate yeah. zone? He, he He's much better when he can just see the field in front of him and just react to what's going on beneath him. And but with that in mind, and you know, thinking about the Panther scheme, I know that we have these interchangeable tight safeties. But if he is a guy, you know, that we get fortunate enough to get in on day two, yeah, I would love for him to be more of just a dedicated deep, you know, yeah. uh, was cover one type guy, yeah, you know, sing, single high. That's what I'm thinking, single high. And let him be like the Earl Thomas in the cover three, and yeah. where he can drop back in the deep zone and then make plays in front of him because that's what Earl Thomas yeah. really see that one. But the, the difference with Earl Thomas in that type of scheme is that Earl Thomas was such a big hitter. I mean, Earl Thomas that, also was just insanely fast. I mean, I mean, like yeah, the, he was, the, his, super fast. What what has elevated him compared to almost any other safety that's tried to play that that, that sort of single high role? It's just the range. Like he he could he could legitimately yeah. cover the entire range of the field. Um yeah. I, I, I would say I don't think the Panthers are ever gonna go, at least unlikely that under Phil Snow, they do go to that kind of like we are gonna be single high one hundred percent of the time type defense. Yeah. I think there there's always gonna be some multiplicity. But I think if you if if you have Cisco, it then becomes like he is the guy that's deep like eighty percent of the time. Um like it, it's it's he you assume he's deep apart from the times when you you rotate him down. And 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 he would be then the sort of the fixed point that you then rotate based off. Like, you know, Brian Burns isn't always on the edge, but they they it's unusual when they drop him into coverage rather than it being like 50% of his game kind of thing. Yeah. Now let me ask you the question about um about Cisco. Yeah. I know he had an ACL tear. Yeah. I are there any concerns about that or is it serious? Is you know, is it expected that he'll be ready for I I I don't know, and I'm not I, like I, it's 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 one of those things where like NFL teams have entire medical staff to check these things out. I it, it, yeah. it's I think you can uh, uh, from the outside you can make reasoned observations based on tape. I think anytime it's something about off the field or or medical concerns, you just don't have the information to make those decisions. I, I think the Panthers will have that information, um, and. You hope that that even with COVID, that they're, they're still able to kind of check those things out. But I, uh, yeah, I, I think it's very hard to speculate from a distance about those kind of things unless you happen to have some kind of inside knowledge of exactly how he's he, he's progressing. Yeah, and 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 that's the only reservation because, like I said, I'm I was sold on this on the game I saw. You know, the, I think two games I've seen him play in, um, one from last season, and and I think they played in the in the game this season. COVID makes me forget when things happened but but I, I thought I, I thought he played in one game this year and I think I was fortunate enough to be able to it's see him North, play he played North Carolina this year I think yeah that's why I think it was like the first game of the season or maybe the second game of the season yeah he, and he I had saw a, him play in Carolina he had a pick that game and the yeah. deep left 
and yeah, again just ranging from the center of the field like it's so if you remember the the trey boston one against the falcons um in 2014 with that long pick six yeah it was, yeah, it was yeah. similar to that we're just like just diving on this deep outside route picking it you know going to the catch point and just like yeah that, that's that's and he looked and, and that's and that's when i really became smitten and um <laughs> and that's and for me i'm like man if we can get him i would be ecstatic we got him on day two I would be ecstatic to have him as long as he checks out and healthy. Yeah. So, you know, at least I, I know one of your top two guys, you know, is, is one of my draft darlings. And, and again, if I think he probably will be there in day two, if we're fortunate, but I don't yeah. know if that's the, the Panthers biggest need. Yeah. Know, the, 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 the second round pick. Yeah. It's but I wouldn't if, be mad. No, if, if, I think it'll be, it won't. I think he should be part of the conversation, but if if there's sort of equally graded players at say offensive or defensive line, it's going to be hard to pass on say a a guy with a similar grade at guard to 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 draft a safety. But yeah, we'll see, we'll see. But I, I'll justify. So you no, know, those were your top two guys, Merrick yeah. and, and Cisco. So yeah. Yeah. Um, here's our little overhyped segment. You know, so who are your overhyped safeties right now? So I think the one name that immediately jumps out is, is Holland, uh, the Oregon safety. And again, I don't think he's he's terrible. I just think he's technically quite raw in many ways. I think he's he certainly has the talent to be quite good. Like it's it's, it's not that I can't see him working out. It's more just like his his footwork and coverage is really quite undisciplined at times. Yeah. Um, and it it's. I think the thing you see quite a lot of college, particularly like defensive backs, is they have the athleticism to back themselves a lot of the time and can make up for technical flaws to the fact they're just better athletes. Um, yeah. and, and and I think a lot of them, you know, like there are players where I've got higher grade to do it as well some of the time. Um, but I think he did it a lot where he'd get very flat-footed and basically just trust his quickness and his speed to get there in time. Um, yeah. and, and I think he better better route runners are going to really do him early if he doesn't fix that. Like he, he's going to get exposed by better route runners at the head of routes. If he, if he doesn't, um, if he doesn't get better. Um, the other thing is he can really get, um, you can really get him with a double move. Like he, 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 because of this undisciplined nature of his footwork, because it's kind of quite sloppy in terms of trusting his, his just athleticism to get it done. He, he, he's really susceptible to double moves because he doesn't keep his discipline. Um, he just kind of dives on the ball. Um, so, and, that, and that, that's not necessarily a discipline thing from a mental point of view. It's a technical discipline of if, if, if because he gets himself off balance, he, it's quite frenetic the way he, he plays coverage a lot of the time. And obviously double moves are about exploiting balance and, and, and leverage. And he, he yeah. can definitely, you can definitely get him on a double move. Um, and it's crazy because if you note that about him, then every offensive coordinator in the NFL would attack yeah. that. I, it always and, brings me back to uh, you remember when the Panthers drafted Zach Sanchez in the fifth yeah, yeah. Out, of, out of Oklahoma, and and at the press conference after draft, um, Dave Gutman said, "Well, he just loves to buy it on a double move." And it was like, like obviously, there's no point, there's no harm in him saying it because every scout will have seen him do this, so it's not like some secret that he loves it. But you watch him on tape, Oklahoma, it's like you just run any kind of double move in front of him and Zach Sanchez was just going to, he was going to bite on that underneath route like anything. <laughs> like he got done for like four or five touchdowns in his last season in college, all on double moves. That's and good. and Holland can definitely be got on a double move as well. And see, and that's the thing, you know, Holland is ranked by a lot of draft scouts as maybe the number one or number two safety prospects in this draft. And he didn't even play in 2020. 
Yeah. And so I don't think that bothers me that much. What bothers? I mean, obviously, he's he's a guy whose whose talent is greater than his his, his tape. So he's okay. obviously a guy that if if you see him play and you see him like Derek Brown is is not similar in some ways in that Derek Brown clearly got better throughout his time in college. Like he always had a lot yeah. of talent, but like technically, you, although he still has things he has to work on, you could see him getting better at them. Like if you know, he he was if he'd have come out a year earlier, I would have had a round or two lower grade on him. He just yeah. because he, you know, he, he, and he clearly got better. And so, if you saw Holland come out in 2020 and he plays again and he's got better at these things, that that is encouraging because you're like, okay, you're making progress. And maybe with some NFL coaching, you make more progress, and, and that's great. Um, but there are so the, their ranking of him probably is, is a bit of a projection, yeah, based I, on if he had a play. Yeah, I also think that there is a, a habit in the NFL for. And I think the Panthers are maybe a little guilty of this at times to back their ability to develop players too yeah. much. That they, yeah. they 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 see the potential like we can fix this guy. And yeah. I would say that Oregon hasn't exactly been a factory of technically rounded players in recent years. Like you know you know Justin Herbert was was in need of significant coaching when he came out and and was able to convince G, you know at least one gm probably multiple gms that that he could be coached and that he could become better but you know it, you you obviously have to bear these things in mind like you know if a, if an offensive linesman i remember like Jermaine Fetty coming out of Texas A&M and they produced like three or four really technically well-rounded tackles in a row and it was like he came out and it was like oh he's got all this talent and he'll work out the technique later it's like He's just come out of a school that's producing technically rounded offensive tackles like a factory. And he's yeah. the one, and he's the guy that hasn't worked it out technically. So I, 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 I'm questioning whether it's his ability to learn rather than the school's ability to coach, if that makes sense. Whereas with right, Arbor, they have a track record of coaching. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 um, yeah, it's, it's like, you know, if a defensive linesman came out of, um, oh, Michigan State. Like you're like I, they've produced quite a lot of pretty technically well-rounded defensive linesmen recently. I, I trust that they can coach them reasonably well. Or like or like Iowa, Iowa produced a lot of really technically oh, yeah, well-rounded yeah. offensive and defensive linesmen. You you, you yeah. if, if if an offensive linesman comes out of out of Iowa and they're really technically poor, you've got to question whether it's them, not the coaching. Um, and at least with yeah, at least with at least with um Holland, Oregon, you're like. I've seen players come out of Oregon not be that good technically and get better. And I mean, it's obviously not the position we're talking about, but like Penny Sewell is kind of the same thing as well, where you're like, you're not yeah. technically that great, but also you've come from a school where there have been quite a few guys who've got a lot better as they've got into the NFL over the last year or so. So, yeah. I can sort. I can sort of see the... I'm at least willing to be open-minded about Holland despite his technical flaws, but I do think he has quite a lot of work to do. The same is true of um, Nazir Dean. I'm really poor at pronouncing that, but the uh, the Florida State guy. Um, that's how I pronounce it too, is Nazir Dean. so I think that's probably about the best you can do. Okay, okay well, that, that's what I'll stick with in that case. But again, he's a guy where you... Yeah. You see the tape and you see what he can become. And certainly in like the modern NFL where you want these kind of athletic guys who can play in the box and then go and maybe play a bit of man coverage or deep zone. Like I can I can see where his value potentially comes from. Um, but again, he's more of like an act, like a genuine project. And so I yeah. wouldn't hate him in the middle rounds, but if he's getting like possibly even like late second round love, that that's that's too high for me. There, there's too much work to be done. Um the final guy is a guy you've already mentioned, which is Richie Grant. And I, I kind of have to, to sort of caveat this a little bit. Like, 
I actually think his senior bowl tape was notably better than his college tape. And <laughs> I think he is a good player. Like for me, he's in that second tier of prospects. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's quite, it's, we'll talk about some of the others in a second, but like, I, I don't think he'd be a bad fit for the Panthers. And I think in like the third round, he'd absolutely be somebody I'd consider. But I yeah. think he's he's started to be talked about in that top tier and maybe as like a late first round pick. And I, I, I was impressed by his coachability at the senior bowl and the way he clearly made improvements. And it's, the Panthers coaching staff seem to be as well, but I, I don't think he will justify a late first round pick. I, I struggled. I, I don't think he's got the movement skills to live up to that kind of top tier ceiling. So I think he's a, he's a good prospect who's maybe being talked about as a great prospect. Whereas I think Nazir Dean and Holland are maybe like development guys who are being talked about like they're maybe more of a sure thing than they are. Well, you know, Nazir Dean, I've actually read where some people consider him to be potentially a linebacker candidate. Yeah, I and, maybe see that. Yeah, I mean, and, and that kind of shocked me. The one thing I noted when I watched them play, I saw them play a few times as well and they were down at Florida State and Andrew too, if I'm not mistaken. And I don't know if it was just because it was an exhibition game and he wasn't really going full out, you know, but it was times where I was watching him specifically, and it just seems like his pursuit of the ball just wasn't what I desire. And it was like, is he not? Does is he playing the game, and it just looks like he's not really hustling? Because I know that he has freakish ability. I know that he's fast. He's long. He plays well, you know, at the line of scrimmage. But seeing him come from the safety position to go and, you know, take angles on the ball carriers and stuff like that. I was like, wow, you know, like it, he really isn't looking as special as I wanted him to. And, no, and, and I, that, that somewhat concerned me, but I mean, maybe it was an exhibition game. And I, I think, I, I think he, the actual angles he takes the ball, I think are okay. I don't think he's particularly good as a tackler. Like, I think, I think it's one of the things where like yeah. if, if, if he's going to play linebacker, he, it's one of those things where it's not like he's a terrible tackler. It's more that given, where his value is going to be is as that guy who can play around the line of scrimmage and can also drop deep. Like, but but to do that, you've got to be reliable around the line of scrimmage. And right now he's fine, but he's not a good player around the line of scrimmage. Like he has to get better as a tackler. He needs to work off blocks more. He's, he's, yeah, he needs to get better at what's going to be the core of his game so that the things that he can do, you know, his ability to drop into man coverage against tight ends is only really valuable if he's not a complete liability against the run. Um, yeah. and, and, and so th- th- there are things you need, there's talent there, but there's, there's stuff he needs to work on. Yeah. It was like stuff that I noticed. And maybe, like I said, maybe I was overly focused on the few plays I've seen him, you know, do this on, like when he was approaching the ball carrier, he seemed to stay like really high and be kind yeah. of reachy, you know, use his arms and want to be kind of grabby, like, you know, and, and instead of breaking down and actually trying to wrap up, yeah, he, he does stay very he does- high. He does not set his feet well as a tackler. Um, okay. Like yeah, yeah. He that, that that's a persistent thing on tape. He 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 gets in the right position and then just kind of like it's all upper body stuff. He needs to really engage his legs a lot more with the tackle. Like he, he his tackling technique needs to work. But it, like it's one of these where like if he was like a, a, a deep center field safety who occasionally comes and has to make a tackle, it's fine. But if you're going to play like seventy percent of your snaps in and around the box, you've you've got to be better than that. Um, so yeah, he, he's. He's more of a genuine project for me. 
and that's and so I'm glad that my eyes were seeing what I thought they were seeing. I was like, okay, this guy eats, he, he he doesn't get in position correctly. He stays high. Um, like you said, his angles may have not been as bad as I thought they were. It's just that when he got to the point where he could finish, he wasn't finishing. So it made everything else look bad. Again, but let me ask you this question. I think, you know, Naziruddin is, let's just say he's a project. Um, we are maybe the third round, then he'd probably be a really good pick there. Um, Javon Holland. I think I think I think fourth would probably be more. I, I feel happier with Nazir Ali in the fourth than the third. I think in the, I think there will be better players there in the third. Well, how about Holland? You know, because he's I think Ohio. I think similar. I mean, I, I, don't wrong. I, I I understand. I'm a little bit cautious in this regard. I yeah. I I think it's very easy to talk yourself into upside. Um, it's quite often not that easy to, you know, to see the material benefits of upside. Um, I, I think particularly given that this is quite a strong safety class in the, like there will be good safeties there in the third round. Um, yeah. I think I, I, I find it, I think, yeah, particularly if there's guys like, uh, we'll talk about the same, guys like Paris Ford and stuff who admittedly have some, some more like, uh, some off field, um, concerns, but, but, uh, if you're okay with those kind of things, I think Paris Ford is is a much better player right now, and I'd much rather take a guy who is, you know, you know, I'd, I, I, it's about balancing floor and ceiling, and I think when someone's, when there's such a big gap between floor and ceiling, I think I tend to be a bit more cautious about, and unless I've got a, you know, obviously you need to interview, like these are the guys we're interviewing that makes a huge amount of difference because you have to trust their ability to to be improved and to improve themselves, yeah. and I think just on a purely, you know, yeah. not having had that interaction, if you're just basing it on tape, I, I, I think it's, it's it, my instinct is always to be a bit more cautious and, and to, to to question their ability to make significant strides because a lot, a lot of players don't really, like, like a lot of players just don't make, get that much better. Okay. And, and, and I can, I can respect that. I was just thinking, you know, of a guy like Holland who people are very high on, he didn't play in 2020 and because people didn't see him and you know, people may be very astute, um, you know, people who actually are going to put him on their draft boards, teams, GMs, scouts, he may slip too. So I was like, you know, like sometimes you get that one guy, you know, like two years ago, <laughs> the player that the Panthers uh, notably passed over to get Roy Greer and that was... Um, Gardner Johnson. Yeah, yeah, Gardner Johnson, you know, who went to the Saints. Gardner Johnson, I think, yeah, that, that was just a bad decision. Like Gardner Johnson was, he, his tape was very much someone who should have gone in the first forty picks. Yeah, and that's and that's where I was thinking he was going to get picked. So to see him slip into the third, I was like, oh my god, we're going to get him right here. And then he went deep into the fourth before he was picked. Yeah, I think and, I think he had. I think he. From what I've heard, he turned some teams off in the interview, shall we say? Okay, so he has, yeah, he had the. It wasn't actually off-field concerns, but just I think he, I think he he didn't impress. He did, he didn't help himself <laughs> with it with his interview. Shall we say? That's not surprising considering how much he rattles 
players that you know his opponents in the in the NFL, right? Because everybody wants to fight him. Maybe he had a couple of these GMs and scouts wanting to fight him <laughs> at the interview. <laughs> but um, but you know, so it's not surprising when you see the type of personality he has on the field. You know that he could have brought people the wrong way. But he was talent, man. And yeah, so, no, he was. He was very so good. I, I just bring him up to say that every once in a while you get a guy who's really really talented yeah. slip, and yeah. you know for our own sakes, I'm hoping that. One of these guys, you know, that we have, you know, near the top, like Cisco, probably won't be married, you know, but maybe Cisco, um, Richie Grant, somebody like that, you know, will slide to maybe the third round and and we can get a really good player. Yeah, I, I, I think both Cisco and Grant are notably better players than Holland. Like, I... I that's I think great. it's one of those things where there's a, there's a difference between drafting based on what a guy can become, and I I, I would be surprised if I well Cisco maybe has more like genuine bust potential, but like I, I think Richie Grant, the worst case scenario will be that he's a perfectly fine starting safety. Yeah. Um, I think there's a chance Javon Holland is out of the league in three or four years. I don't think it's, I don't think that that's going to happen, but like he has that kind of like, like the range of outcomes is that like it, it's in, in, in this, like, and don't be wrong, like Jeremy Chin, you could kind of say the same thing as well. Like, you know, not, not now, obviously. And I think yeah. obviously again, like if Holland really impresses you with interviews, he can do that. But like if Jeremy Chin never got better than the guy he was at Southern Illinois, that's not a guy who can survive in the league for very long. Like you, yeah. your his value is tied and his ability to, to, to improve. Um, yeah. And it, it's, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like there, there, there's a you. A lot of this is about your trust in the player as a person. So it's very hard to make these kind of assessments. So like, obviously, if, if you, if you, if you interview um, Holland and you're really, really impressed and you think he's a guy who just maybe hasn't been coached very well and that he can definitely make these strides, then that that does move him up draft boards a lot. But yeah, you you know, it, it's. Although Oregon's history has not been great in player development, there's a big difference between like you went to one of the probably 40 best schools in terms of college football, as opposed yeah. to you went to Southern Illinois. Yeah. Um, and, and so like the amount of, you know, the, the, the level of faith you, you show in the player getting significantly better has, has to be based in evidence, not just like, ah, we can coach it. It's fine. Yeah. And, and there's a, there's a, um, one of the safety that we haven't mentioned. I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but, Safety out of USC. Uh, yeah, I can't remember his name. Give me a second. The thing is like Talua. Yeah. Um, just a just a guy. You know, if you if you don't know much about him, Hufanga. Yes, it's Talanoa Hufanga. Yeah, Talanoa, Talanoa Hufanga. And I was just wondering, you know, did did he catch your attention? You know, for being one of the the better prospects. I know he has a lot of versatility. He has good. Um, I, I, I don't think he's got the athleticism. Like I, 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 maybe I'm wrong. I he did not strike me as a hugely good athlete on tape. Um, okay. And so I, I didn't see him, so I don't know. So I, I, he's one of those guys who I think in the NFL because of his, like he's he's more of like the box safety in the NFL. Like okay. athletic, like you know, he's six one two fifteen. It's not that surprise that he's not going to sort of like be flying around in deep zone. Um, yeah. He is more of like that strong safety type, um, but uh, he's a really poor run defender. Okay. Um, 
yeah, so it, it, it's... I can see... It's one, of, again, a player who I have graded really quite low, but I, I can see how he could be successful, but I think you need to almost completely reconfigure who he is as a player stylistically. Like, he's not he's not going to be a deep zone guy in the NFL. He may, may like, don't wrong, maybe he can play a bit of cover too, but he's... He's not going to be a guy you. He, he just isn't. He isn't athletic enough, I think, to play that center field role. Um, and and it's always going to be. He's a guy who who there are things there are good things about his game, but they don't quite form together to form a coherent player. Um, yeah. And so he either needs to, he either needs to surprise me with how athletic he is in coverage, or he needs to get an awful lot better as a run defender. Um, and probably get better in man coverage as well. Because if you're going to play in and around the line of scrimmage, you can't just be like, you know, you know like er- Eric Reed is unfortunate that he's kind of a bit of a throwback stylistically. Like he is just like an out and out box safety. Yeah, and, yeah. and like, you know, he really struggled when the Panthers put him in, in deep zone, not because he didn't know where to be, but he just couldn't get there fast enough. Um, right. And he wasn't really, he was okay, but he was okay in man coverage and he was actually legitimately good in underneath zone. So I could see um, Ufanga having that ability in underneath zone. But the thing that made Eric Reed a valuable player was that he was a legitimately very good run defender. Like, like you yeah. know, he, he, was, he, was, he was a genuinely excellent run defender for a safety. And if you so could be played, that. He played Ryan like a linebacker. Yeah, man. absolutely. Like he was, he was, a, like he would have been a plus run defender as a linebacker. Like yeah. if you have that guy who could then be de- decent in coverage underneath, or at least offer some value, that's very different from a guy who like adds some value in coverage as a box safety, but you're always you're always worrying about them against the run. And I, I, I there's a lot of guys. There's always an issue with guys who are good in college is that can they fit in? You know, for for an NFL scheme, whether it's offense or defense, to be built around you, you have to be incredibly good. Like you have to be Brian Burns, Jeremy Chin, you know, um, you know Christian McCaffrey for teams to start building what they do schematically around you. For everyone yeah. else, it's about being a piece in the puzzle to a certain degree. Yeah. And the the issue is, is guys in college who who have talent but maybe don't quite have talent that fits as a puzzle piece. That they're a guy that needs a scheme to be built around them, but frankly aren't good enough to be that guy at the NFL level. I got you. And I mean, and, and so, you know, there's, there's a lot of players that come out that, that are guys like that. Yeah. And, and, you know, you never know, you know, how they're going to end up in the NFL. You know, if they go to the right system with the right team that can kind of hide them and they can be specialized and doing, you know, one or two things is cool. And, you know, because they got other guys who can do the other things that they're bad at. Um, you know, so maybe he's in that category, you know, and, and, you know, just from naturally talking through this, I think we've covered almost all the, the candidates. There are a few more, you know, that we haven't gone into. Yeah. Some of of the guys that may be a a more of a perfect fit for, you know, where we actually pick, um, or where we projected to maybe go after safety, considering, you know, the, the guys who we already have on the team, you know, where we already have a few versatile uh, safeties, you know, on the team already. Um, so, you know, based on that and where the Panthers may realistically pick, who are some of your, your guys who may follow the day three that we haven't talked about? Yeah, so I don't know whether or not you fall all the way to day three, but certainly like third round onwards. I think there's, for me, after that sort of first tier of Murray and Cisco, there's like five guys on that second tier. Richie Grant is one of them, who we've already talked about, who I think would be a good player for the Panthers to have. I just think he's his ceiling is going to make it hard for him to be someone they take on day, like early day two. 
So he's maybe more of like a third or fourth round guy for me. It just didn't, you know, I think his movement skills are going to limit him a little bit, but does do a lot of nice things and is clearly very coachable. Um, I think our Darius Washington, although good, I just don't think is a good fit for the Panthers. So although, yeah, he's more of like a conventional cover two safety. Um, Like he doesn't have that great range in in deep coverage. He's more of a, like he's not that dissimilar to Trey Boston in terms of how he could be used. He's, but he's not a, he's not that center field cover three safety. He's more of a a deep coverage nickel type safety. So I I just don't think he's a particularly great fit with the Panthers, but he is also in that second tier. So that then kind of leads the three other guys. I think the guys that maybe make the, make the most sense for the Panthers. So one of them is a bit more of a project, but it probably also has the highest ceiling, and that's Kerry Vincent Jr. Um, so he played some safety in college. So again, he opted out of 2020 as well. He played some safety um, and some nickel. Um, he probably doesn't have the movement skills to play nickel to a high level in the NFL. Like he, 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 he does show it a bit at times, but he's quite tight-hipped at times, and he's probably not not like an ideal nickel corner. Where where he adds value potentially is as that center field safety. Like he's along with Cisco, he's the only other guy I can see having a high chance of being that like center field guy. He has really really good straight line speed, um, reads the game quite well, has really good ball skills. The the question is, if we, he's probably more of like a legitimate day three option in that he's. He is a bit of a project having only really played it a bit of the time. Like he mostly played nickel. So he's someone who you kind of have to trust. You're like, you have the ball skills, you have, you know, he's a smart, he's a really smart defensive player. You know, you clearly know where you have to be. You've got good ball skills and good range. Can you put that together and become this kind of center field guy? Um, I, I think he's probably for me would be the best pick for the Panthers based on value, just because I think he probably can be got early on day three. Um, and I think given what his upside is and given where the Panthers are, like as a player who could be that sort of f- like foundational center field piece to get that in like the fourth or fifth round, I think is really, really good value. Even if he what's has, his, what's his size metrics. So he's like five ten, one ninety, but he runs like 10 flat hundred meters. Um, oh, so so he, he, yeah, no, he, he, yeah, he, 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 he ran track at LSU. Like he was, he was, he's seriously fast. Okay. Um, I, yeah, like he, he he's like Dante Jackson type quick. Um, okay. um, like they and they did use him in quite aggressive ways. Like they put him man to man against CD Lamb quite a lot last year, and they played um, Oklahoma last year. And like he was running vertically with CD Lamb without yeah. too much trouble. They put him vertical on on um, Devonte Smith when they played Alabama. Like he he's got legitimate vertical speed, um, and and has really good ball skills. Um, and the question is really how how good his mental side of the game can be and like if, if he can if he can get that down and can be a little bit better in his discipline of his footwork um then he he has a chance to be that center field guy as well like his ceiling is probably only second to cisco's um yeah. and, and so like as a guy if you can get that in the fourth round like even though he's got a reasonable amount of bust potential just the upside like that, that's something about like risk and reward like his reward is so good that if you can get that in the fourth or fifth round, then that 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 really you know that that's worth the risk for me. Um, probably the safest pick would be Paris Ford. Like off field concerns aside, like he's he would be a great fit for that kind of like hybrid role that Trey Boston played. Like he can play a bit of free and a bit of strong. He's not the most athletic guy, but he reads the game really really well. He's got good balls because like he's a he's a real poacher um, underneath and stuff. Like he. he He's a pretty good run defender. He's quite physical. He's got good size. He's he's sort of like not quite as polished as Murray, but is a similar kind of do it all, 
multifaceted safety. Um, I think he's like in the third round, he's probably the person I think would be the best, probably be the safest fit for the Panthers. Yeah. Um, the other option is maybe a bit of a dark horse is Demar Hamlin, who's the the other Pittsburgh safety. He would be more of a guy that you groom to replace Burris as a guy who can play more in the slot, play some man coverage, needs a bit of technical work on his footwork in man coverage, but isn't doesn't quite flash the upside as a zone defender, but has more man coverage potential um, and, and good size. So like as a as, as a, he he would be more someone you take in like the fifth or the sixth. And you you use as a guy who you know with Burris being a free agent after this year, you 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 draft with a view to developing for a year, and then if he if he shows well, to then bring him on as the starter to replace Burris. So I, I think he those those would be the the three guys who I think maybe are worth considering for the Panthers who aren't sort of like top two round picks. But obviously Richie Grant and Cisco are are probably players. Certainly, I mean if they're both there in the third, then I think Cisco is going to be really hard to pass on. But like Cisco in the second or Grant in the third are also if they fall to those points, then that, that's going to be something for the Panthers to consider as well. So just based on what you have you know outlined, for me, for my expectations, I'd be lucky if we get, or we would be lucky, not just me, but we would be lucky if we get Cisco in the second, Richie Grant maybe in the third or the fourth. And then potentially uh, forward if we wait until day three to 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 pick a safety. And yeah, I, I think I'd say Cisco in the second, Grant or Ford in the third, Vincent in the fourth would kind of be where I think would be the kind of the uh, the, the guys as they fall through. I got you. And so I'm but I'm I'm intrigued. I need to go back and watch Vincent. You say he sat out in in 2020. Yeah, he yeah yeah he he um. Yeah, he he played he did mostly play nickel, so he is a little bit of a projection. Like so, so some some people have him as a corner. I I don't. I, I think he's you know. I think the odds of him being a good corner are pretty low. I think the odds of him being a good safety are higher. I think his he, both his ceiling and his floor are better at safety. Um, he is different. He is more of a boom bust type guy, and I, I mean I I have him as my number three safety even like, but but he's a he. He is a guy that you'd have to really convince yourself about his development because there is that projection from playing nickel to playing free safety. So, so yeah, his his ceiling is just really hard to pass on for me. Well, let me ask you a question about another guy. I don't know if we have the opportunity to draft him either way because I think you know where he would go mm-hmm. would put him in the range of Richie Grant yeah. or maybe um, or, or maybe Cisco. But Cisco's teammate, Melifonwu, yeah, is a cornerback who played mostly cornerback, but yeah. some people have him projected to go as a free safety type. Do you think he has potential to be a free safety or will he stay at cornerback? I think he's better as like a cover three corner. I, need, I don't know, I still need to watch some more of him, so I can't sort of like say conclusively. But I, I from what I have seen, he's more of that kind of cover three sort of okay. corner um you know he, he's got good ball skills and length and stuff but he's not I, d- I don't think he's the i think he was playing free safety you'd want him to be a bit twitchier i think okay and, and i was just bringing him up because you know when i think of cisco i told you i, I found cisco looking for melophone yeah and so you know and and then as i researched more of these defensive backs his name came up you yeah. know on safety list as well and i was like okay i don't want to leave him out of this conversation if that's how scouts are seeing him more so than seeing him as a cornerback. But I too, like you, I think for a team that runs a lot of cover three, you know, his length um, and his ability to smother, you know, will probably suit him best, you know, for the right team 
running that cover three scheme. And, and so I, I, I still see him as a corner. I just wanted to know if you saw him. No, no, I think he's definitely – Yeah, I think he, he – it's one of things where you could probably play him at safety, but I think he his value is at corner. Okay. Well, I mean, I think we've we, – I mean, we covered a lot, you know, and, yeah. and like you said, there's a lot of talent at safety in this draft. You know, when I first saw the list of, of safety prospects, I really wasn't that hype on them. You know, I, I thought like, okay, there were some names I knew like Cisco, Richie Grant. I really didn't know Merrick well until I started doing the research. I knew Nazir Dean. Um, he's actually a Charlotte guy. I think he came from Is like Concord. So yeah, he's a local guy. And a lot of Panthers fans know him from his high school tape uh, or high school, you know, his high school play, I believe. But he went to Florida State from mm-hmm. the Charlotte area, I believe. I think, I think he came from that area. And so, um, so yeah, you know, having seen some of these guys play, um, I was hype on just a few of them, but talking through them and doing the studying this week to, to it, it probably in more response of the Trey Boston decision, yeah. you know, made me a little bit more interested in who these guys were, not just the top guys, but the depth, because I do think that it would be wise to try to see if you can get a safety after you just lost your starting free safety, regardless of whether, yeah, get someone in free agency or not, you know, because the reason I'm excited to do the show with you, mm. uh, scouting the culture, is because I believe that good teams are built through the draft. Yeah, you know, there's a stat out there somewhere, and I I won't say it because I I know it's probably not 100 accurate, but there's a very small percentage of players who become free agents after they sign. Um, with teams and free agents. I mean, it's a is a is a is a very small amount of of players who become pro bowlers. I'm sorry, who yeah. become pro bowlers after signing in free agency. So just signing a big name at key positions in free agency, you know, doesn't always mean that they're going to play great. Uh, and so a lot of those guys are drafted, developed, and they become pro bowlers for the teams that drafted them. So I'm, I'm way more excited about the guys we can draft versus guys that we can sign in free agency. Yeah. And there are some free agents I like, you know, at the safety position, but I'm more intrigued to see if we can find, you know, a couple of gems, you know, through the draft. And, but I also want to say this, you know, on that note, what the Panthers do in free agency is going to inform a lot of what, you know, they do yeah. at the draft. And so a lot of these prospects and where we predict they'll go and, you know, who we will, you know, try to get to, based on need and based on what we know today, it could all change in about a month, you know, yeah. after the first week of free agency. So, you know, we're just kind of projecting where we think the Panthers will sign guys or, or draft guys now based on what we know about the team today. Yeah. After I, I th- free agency, it's going to be different. Yeah, I think the one thing I would say with that with safety in particular is that I think there are there are positions where the Panthers will have to go and sign some free agents. Like, you know, you can't go into the, the draft with three offensive linesmen. You can't go into the draft with no defensive, uh, like interior pass rushers. You can't right. go into the draft with like three cornerbacks. Like, you yeah. know, those position groups, the Panthers are going to have to sign somebody, even, even if it's like, you know, even if it's like what you've seen in the past where they, they sign, say, a Chris Reed to come in and be the left guard. But the, the expectation is that they draft someone. They just don't want to be in a position where they have to draft a guard. Um, I think at safety, they could not draft someone. Like, I, I think if, if, if they do not sign a safety, they could go into next year with the safeties they have and the sky wouldn't fall down. Like, it would be okay. Yeah. You'd, you'd yeah. want to add someone, but you don't have to add someone. And obviously, if there's a free agent who they like at good value, you, you try and sign them. 
But I think yeah. whereas whereas at some positions, like if we were talking about offensive line now, like the idea that you're going to have Greg Little at left tackle, Dennis Davia at left guard, and Matt Paradis at centre, and then just not have a right side of the offensive line, yeah, that's just not you. Know, you're gonna they're gonna go into the draft with at least five offensive linesmen. You would hope. Whereas yeah. whereas you know they probably don't have to go and add a safe safety right now. Yeah, I mean, and 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 I have to to prepare myself for that. And I'm trying to prepare listeners for that too. And I think, you know, most Panthers fans who, who really watch games, they understand that, you know, we do have some depth at safety. However, if Cisco falls into our lap, I want Cisco. Yeah. And, and, and I would be okay with Richie Grant too. Um, you know, just because then I won't even go to Richie Grant. I, I will be okay if they drafted him, but Cisco is, he's kind of my guy. So I, I would be ecstatic if we got him. Know anything, you know, in day two, if we could pull Cisco, man, I would be so pumped. Yeah, no, Cisco but, uh, would be an exciting player to have. Yeah, he'd just be a, an exciting player. But it's, it's hey, look, it's exciting times for Carolina. Um, you know, as we can see early in the offseason, we're definitely making moves. And all of those moves aren't to bring in, you know, some dynamic quarterback, you know, via trade. You know, we're just making moves to be able to, to address other positions too. You know, there's you know, 30, what, 33 to like 35 million in cap space now? Yeah, I think it's on 34, 35. Yeah, but it's uh, it's like, you know, somewhere in the mid-30s in terms of cap space, um, in terms of millions of dollars. And and that's enough money to address the quarterback situation and other positions on the field. Even if they, and if they don't um, go aggressive with the quarterback position, we could get so much better on yeah. this roster with that with that amount of cap space and the draft picks that we have coming yeah. up. So um, it's an exciting time to be a Panthers fan. I know it's been a tough year, you know, and, you know, and this quasi-rebuild, build, whatever it is that we're doing. Year two looks better than year one of Matt Rue's tenure in terms yeah. of the, the way the offseason is going. And so that's something to be optimistic about. Hey, Vincent, man, I appreciate you, you know, taking time today to do Scouting the Culture. Yeah, you too. Um, remember, for all the listeners, you can find us on Spotify. Please go and subscribe, rate, review, you know, if, especially if you loved it. You know, if you didn't like it, don't say anything. And my, my grandma said, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. But if you liked it, make sure you give us, you know, our, our props. You know, but, you know, you can find us on Spotify. You can f- find us on uh, Apple iTunes. And we'll be back next week. Appreciate you guys. Um, Vincent, make sure you take care of it there, buddy. Yep, you do, mate. Also, Twitter, I am at vrichson444. JJ, where are you? I'm at Panthers Culture. Yes, I don't remember to follow us as well. So, goodbye. All right, peace.